Man, isn't that good? That's good. Hey, here's another thing that's good. Mark and Sarah Demiglio, stand up. Come on, stand up. 37 years, baby, right here. 37 years. We love you guys so much. Thank you for the incredible blessing you are. God bless another 37. Yeah? All right, we'll see. Hey, I'm going to pray for us because here's the reality. I'm going to share God's word with you today, and I'm going to share a pretty crazy passage today. We're going to need his help to understand this thing. But here's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to share, as I, I just want to remind you, it's his word, and that means it's alive and active. So God is going to take this word, and he's going to go right into the depth of your soul. That's where he takes it. And he's going to help us. It says it divides. It's, it's going to clear up for us some understanding about who he is, what he's done, and what's true about us, okay? So I want to pray for that, but I also want to pray because there's another place where God's word is going out right now. There's a, an event called Jubilee that's happening down in Lehigh right now. And there's a ministry called Multiply Goodness. And what Multiply Goodness is, it was, a, it was an LDS gal who so wanted to get into scripture and, uh, and have understanding. So she actually went to a couple gals down at South Mountain Community Church. And because she knew that these women really knew scripture. And she said, hey, would you help us put the, together Bible studies so we can study the Bible better? You guys, this has developed into a ministry where Christian women are putting together Bible studies and they're leading LDS women in the word of God. Is that not incredible? It's super, super cool. Right now at Jubilee, there's hundreds. Last year, there was over six. Hundred, Susie? Oh, okay, Susie. I, 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 if it's wrong, it's Susie's fault. Um, but literally, here's, here's what we know. Literally, right now, hundreds of women are gathering from the LDS faith to hear the word of God spoken to them. Is that not cool? So let's pray for God to move. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you're alive and well right now. Jesus, we do praise you as the resurrected King of King and Lord of Lords. And God, I pray right now for Jubilee. I pray for every word that's coming out that is in your scripture and through your spirit, that it would go into every woman's heart there. God, thank you for the number of our own women who are there, K2 women who are there right now leading these discussion tables. I pray as they lead these tables that you'll guide them and give them wisdom and insight and love. And uh, may every person there, Jesus, feel your presence, hear your word, see you with spiritual eyes. You are the one, God, who enlightens our hearts so that we can see. And I pray that would happen there, God, and I pray would happen here. Father, you know <laughs> this passage. Wow, we need you. But you're here, and I'm asking that your spirit would grace me with giftedness to be able to speak clearly. But most of all, I'm praying that you would give us ears to hear this amazing good news that's true for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the good news, right, is that we can live a new life. Isn't it crazy how much we love new things? How many of you guys love new things? Like, we just, we just love new things. I, I was thinking about, what's the last, one of the last things that we, that we got with, that was new? And uh, I was thinking about my garage door. So our home was built in 1950. And we have had the same garage door since 1950, right? It's this... Yeah, thank you. Wow. 
Right. No, but I mean, it's this wood thing. It's got these panels. I think almost every panel has been kicked out by a soccer ball by one of our kids. We've had to put those back on. But over and over again, the door would come and I'd go to shut it and it'd, and it'd tweak like this, right? And, and there's no way you could do it. So you know what I did is I called the repair guy and he fixed it and then it worked for a while and then it did it again. I called the repair guy and he fixed it. I keep calling the repair guy and he kept fixing it. And it's like, finally, what do you need to do? Yeah, get a new door. Just get a new door. Oh, right. It's so much. It's just beautiful. Everything looks better. It works. It's fantastic. Sometimes we just need something new. And here's the truth. Every human being needs a new life. We need a new life. Man, a new life when things aren't working. And I'm not talking about externally here. In this world, we're going to have trouble. There's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't work. And in the circumstances around us, I'm talking about a new you, a new you internally, something that can't be taken away by circumstances or people. It's literally a new heart is what what Jesus is telling us. He wants to give us a new mind, a new will at the very core of who you are. You can have a new will, new desires get placed, God will put desires in your heart that are in alignment with what's actually good with you. That's what, hey, so can I just tell you right now, if you're here and you're just feeling like, man, my life's not working. And I wanna say in here, if you're struggling with thoughts, if you're struggling in your heart, if you have desires that you know are torqued, man, today's your message. Jesus came, not, this is so interesting. He didn't come to fix your life. He came to give you a new one, a new one. And that's what we're gonna look at today. So as we look at this passage, there's two things. There's a new position and there's power. There's position and there's power to live a new life. Now, when you get a new position at work, right? Like if you get promoted and you're all of a sudden you're in a new position, you have new power. You get paid more, amen? Yeah, we love that. Money's power, but you also have more authority when you get put into a new position. In fact, in that new position, you can almost always do things that you couldn't do before. You get put into a new position and it's a new life. So as I said, we're diving deep today, you guys. If you wanna grab your Bibles and get ready, it's Romans 6. And I was thinking about, um, like when, when you go to the beach and you, and you uh, man, I just love the beach, right? And we're, we look at the water and we listen to the waves lapping up and it's just fantastic. Can you imagine though, if we didn't have all of our technology and everything that we have, that we would have no idea what's actually under the water. Um, have any of you snorkeled, right? See, when you, when you go in and you go deeper, and I remember Susie and I got to snorkel one time and it's like, oh my gosh, look what's under here. It's beautiful. These fish, the coral reef, it's an amazing experience. But I've never deep sea, we were talking, is this dove? <laughs> All right. I, can I just see, how many of you have actually gone deep sea diving? Oh yeah. Okay. Way to go, Kavina. I love it. You never cease to amaze me. You're awesome. I would never do it. Uh, But I can tell you, I have friends who have, and that's where now the big stuff, right, is the big fish. And it's dark down there, and it's mysterious down there. 
I want to tell you where we're going in the scripture today, it's mysterious, man. But it is the deep mysteries of God that he wants us to understand. All right, here we go. Romans chapter six, starting with verse one. He says, what should we say? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now, let's just stop right there. So if you were here last week, we talked, and, and Paul, in his first five chapters of Romans, he's given this amazing truth, this reality. You guys, you don't do a cotton-picking thing to get saved. Jesus does it all. You remember last week? God does everything. He forgives you. He re- redeems you. He rescues you. He qualifies you. He restores you. It's all God. You don't do anything but put your faith in him. It is you are saved by faith, by grace through faith, and not by your works. And so if you ever teach that message well, if you're really preaching that part of the good news and you just go, I'm forgiven no matter what, <laughs> then, you should, then Paul knew what people were gonna be thinking. That means I can just keep on sinning and I'll just be forgiven? And look at what his answer is. Heck no! That's the Dave Nelson version. Uh, but literally, by no means, you guys, is like, that's, it's just not strong enough. He literally is saying, absolutely not. And then in this next section, Paul goes, okay, hold on. Grab your tank, put it on. We're going down. And I'm gonna share with you how you can be free from the stuff that destroys you and you can live a new life. Look at this. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were there buried, therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, so that, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. God, I love that verse. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin for once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin 
as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Isn't that amazing? Y'all got it? Yeah, me neither. I want to tell you, I was in Romans last year in my own personal time. I had commentaries stacked up next to me. I literally would spend every morning on one of these verses, you guys, to try to understand this, okay? And I have a half hour to help you totally get it. You should be laughing way harder than that, okay? But I am trusting that the Spirit of God is going to speak to you and he's going to reveal to you what you need to know. All right, so here's where we're starting with this passage. New life, he says, so we can live a new life. New life is in Christ. New life is in Christ. In verse three, he said, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See, now, what does that mean? Don't you know when we were baptized into Christ? So, A water baptism, which we celebrate here, is a symbol. Remember, we always say this. That's not actually what saves you, but it is the symbol. It's what Jesus said to do. As soon as you put your faith in me, get baptized. But John the Baptist said, I'm baptizing you with water, but Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so when it means to be baptized into Christ, what that happens is as soon as you put your faith in Christ and you receive him into your life as your Lord and Savior, he says, as soon as you make that decision, Jesus baptizes you, immerses you, where? Into himself. I guess it would be God baptizes you into Christ. That's where the new life is. It's in Christ. And then in verse five, it says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. You guys, when you put your faith in Christ, you are united with him. You become one with Jesus, okay? I love this. Galatians 3, Paul tried to give us an illustration. He said, all of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like putting on new clothes, right? So I was thinking about that and basically, right? So I've got some clothes on that he's trying to help you to see. It's like, when you, when you are in Christ, it's like you've put on Christ-like clothes. You know what that means? Like, no matter where I go, where do my clothes go? They're, they're just with me. If I do this, then the clothes do this. If I do this, then the clothes do that. Whatever happens to me, the clothes, yeah, whatever happens to me, my clothes just do it. Now, So you have to flip the illustration, right? Because we're not the animated ones. Who is? Who is? Yeah, you guys know the answer. It's like, what's fluffy and brown and has a tail? Jesus. Here's the thing. Jesus is the life and we're in him. And what the scriptures are teaching us, you guys, listen to this, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. 
You are one with him in spirit. What God is telling us, you guys, this is amazing news. When you put your faith in Christ, your very inner being, who you are, your spirit, and Jesus became one. You literally cannot separate you in Christ. That's why the scripture tells us nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're united with him. Man, you guys, this is, this is here's the key. What is true, if, this is, if, if I am one in Jesus, in spirit, then what is true of Jesus is true of you. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that you're divine. It doesn't mean that you are omnipresent or omniscient or omnipotent. That's not what it means. But what does it mean? It says in spirit, and what that means is everything that Jesus has done, we get all the benefits. Everything Jesus has done has happened to us. And so I love this verse, Ephesians 1, 3. It says, so praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? Every spiritual blessing, where? Say it, in Christ. You guys, I mean, seriously, if my spirit is united, one, with Jesus, then everything that Jesus is, he's giving me. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is yours. Yeah, you you should just go, really? Because man, are we living like that? But this is what's true about you. New life is in Christ and you have it. Man, I I tell you, so I I was reading this and a great illustration came up actually about a golf scramble. This is what we're gonna be doing next Sunday, right? So we we have a a golf outing coming up. By the way, just real quick here, we're only one team away from filling out all that we need for our golf scramble, okay? So yeah, it's super cool. So it's gonna be a great fun day. But uh, Kip and Keith, who are kind of leading the charge, they actually talked the guys into it. So we're going to be able to do a shotgun start, which means we're all going to start. It's going to be fantastic. But if you still want to play, you can still get in, okay? We need one more team, and we have a few individual openings. It's going to be a blast. Why would you want to play in a scramble? Most of you, how many of you have no idea what a scramble is? Okay, most of you. Okay, let me tell you what it is. When you golf, you have four people on a team, and everybody stands at the tee box, and you hit your ball. And if you're like me, you hit it and it goes way over here, right? And so, and then the guy in your cart hits it and his dribbles over here. And then you've got one guy on your team who's a ringer. You always got to find a ringer because he hits it kind of like Corey when I played with him, you turkey. And bam, it just takes off and it goes way down the field. So then all four guys hit the ball. And then the best part is, I get to go over and hit my shank or grab my, my shank. My partner grabs his little dribble over here to the left and we all go to Corey's ball all the way down the field and we hit from there. That's how you play a scramble. See, so if you're like a horrible golfer, this is when you golf. <laughs> this is when you go because your score doesn't count. <laughs> 
literally, you can get done with a game, like normally, right? Par is like 36 for nine, 72. You can play in a scramble and be like 20 under par. And you're like, and I didn't have one good shot the whole round. (laughs) You know why? Because when he shot it, I got it. When he shot it, I got it. I can get that type of score and it had nothing to do with how I played the game. It had everything to do with how the ringer played the game. Hey, you guys, Jesus is your ringer and you're now on his team. You're in Christ. And so when he hits another 18 for 18 holes, right? Hole in one every time. So did you. What's true of Jesus is true of you. This, you guys, is a great mystery. This is the greatest mystery on the whole freaking planet. That a human being can be united with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, that's what eternal life is. And it's offered to every single one of us. Colossians 1.27 says this. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. The glorious riches of this mystery. Finally. By the way, mystery in the scripture is not something you can figure out. It has to be revealed to you. And God revealed the mystery. And what is it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what the hope of heaven is? that I'm not going to stand before a holy God with all my sin and have him kick me out because I wasn't good enough. That when I stand before God, he's going to look at Jesus because I'm one with Jesus. And I'm going to have a perfect score. I just, are you kidding me? I got 100% again? Yes, because I'm in Jesus. This is the greatest news. But it's not just the hope of glory in heaven, you guys. The hope of glory right now. Jesus said, it is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. So when I'm in Christ and his love and his joy and his peace and his patience and his kindness and his gentleness and his faithfulness and his self-control fills me, that's the hope of glory. I can tell you this, man. Right, we talked about this last week. Looking in the mirror, I know it ain't in Dave Nelson, and you know it's not in you. The hope of glory is Jesus is in me. Your new life is life in Christ. Come on, man. Is that not good news? That's good news. Okay, can I say when you finally realize this, and when we see it, really, when we, when we're in heaven, we're gonna freak out, man. I, 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 God, would you freak us out today? Would you do more than we could ask or imagine, man? Let's walk out of this place knowing this so we can live in this, right? Let's live this. Okay, so what is that life in Christ? That life in Christ, the scripture says, you're dead to sin. Now that you're in Christ, you're dead to sin. Romans 6, 2 says, we are those who have, past tense, died to sin. Other places in the passage, it says, we died with Christ. We were baptized into his death. Verses six and seven said this. We know that our old self 
was crucified with Christ. So that, there's a reason, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Amen? Bring it. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. No, seriously, guys, if you get that, you're, you're way better than me. I, I need to sit with this and go, what in the world? Okay, God, help me. So what happened in Christ's death? We talked about it all last week. What happened? He forgave all your sin. That's what he did in his death. He paid the ransom, it said, for the penalty of sin. He redeemed you, right? He paid the ransom for the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? When we sin, we don't walk with God. So we're separated from God and that penalty is death. So Jesus gave his life. He died to rescue us from that. And once it has been paid, once he paid the ransom, then you're free to go. You're totally free to go. And what does it say? And that reconciled you to God. So when you put your faith in Jesus, you were baptized into his death. Well, in his death, he paid for all of your sin. So now you're free to go. Well, where do I go? Jesus goes, well, I redeemed you. That means I bought, I purchased you and I made you my own. And now you're in me. You're in me. Now here's the trick, you guys. When it says that we're free from the power of sin, what is sin's power? How did sin lose its power? Well, because its power was the ability to separate you from God. The consequence, the wage of sin is death. So the power of sin was death. But now you're not separated from God. You're in Christ. This has been paid for. And since you're in Christ, you are dead to the power of sin because sin was like, I separate you. Oh, can't separate me. Can't separate me. Can't separate me. Why? Because I'm in Christ now. That means I have life. Does this make sense to you? And so sin can get up there and I'm gonna separate you from God. And you're like, you can't. You can't. I am forgiven. All of my sin is forgiven. All of it is washed away. He rescued me from your dominion and he transferred me and put me in the kingdom of Jesus. Hey, y'all, that's, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. That's you. And I wanna tell you what, that's good news. You cannot be separated from God. Sin has no power. And that's what dead to sin means. When you are dead to sin, it means you are no longer under the reign or the ruling power of sin, okay? Now, let me tell you real quick what it doesn't mean. When you're dead to sin, it does not mean that sin doesn't have influence or that it's not strong, amen? It doesn't mean you are never going to sin again. The Bible goes, no, yeah, you are, okay? That's not what it means. It doesn't mean if you're dead to sin, it doesn't mean that we no longer ought to sin, like, okay, I, I, I shouldn't do it anymore. No, that's too weak. That, it's, that's not enough because you have died to it, right? That's what the scripture said. It says you have died, it's done. 
And it doesn't mean that we have renounced sin, which we do, but it doesn't mean that you renounced it because it's a result of your union with Jesus. It's something that, it's nothing that you have done. It's what Jesus did for you. But you guys, what Jesus did for you is reconcile you from sin, forgive you from it, put you into himself. And so it means there is no ruling reign. Sin can't anymore make you do what's wrong. No more. Now, what's true of Christ? Because it's true of you. What's true of Christ? He died to sin once for all. Sin had no power over him. That means it doesn't have any power over you because you're in Christ. In the, that's why the scripture says, in the same way as Jesus, count yourselves dead to sin. Hey, every one of you in here, Christian, count yourself dead to sin. Why? Because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. It no longer has power, all right? So life in Christ is your new life. And because you're in Christ, you're dead to sin. And then he goes on and life in Christ is means you're alive to God. So you're not just dead to sin, but you're alive to God. Verse eight, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And that's what we have every single moment of every single day. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're born of his spirit, you are living with Jesus. Isn't that cool? There's not one thing ever that you go through that you aren't in Christ and he's with you. Verse 10, 11 says, the life Jesus lives, he lives to God. Now again, and what that said, he resurrected and he's living. And the life Jesus lives right now He lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves alive to God in Christ. And then verse 11 says, oh, I put the wrong verse in here. All right, put that away just for a second. All right, so this is what's true, okay? So so now Jesus, do you see how this is working? You were not just baptized into his death. You were baptized into his resurrection. And Jesus is living right now. And and when when he was on earth, what did he do? He lived to God. He did everything that the father told him to do. He says, I don't do anything on my own. Whatever the father tells me to do, I do. And you guys, he did it perfect. The life Jesus lived on earth was perfect, saying yes to his father every single time. And then he rose from the dead because there was no sin in him and it couldn't hold him down. And he rose from the dead and the scripture tells us, and he's alive and the life he lives right now, how's he, what's he doing? He's still living to God. And now you're in him and he's in you. You guys, this is why Christians who just sin and sin and sin, this is why it's just, you need to really check and see if you're actually born of the spirit of God. Because if you can just willfully do what God doesn't want you to do and just walk in darkness, he says, no one who is born of God can continue to do that. He goes, you can't. 
can't. What? And they go, what do you mean? He goes, because you've been born. He goes, my seed remains in you. You're my kid. That word for seed is the word for sperm. He goes, I literally put my life inside of you. Jesus is in you. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. Now, does that mean you can't sin? No, you will sin. Can you struggle with sin? Oh, yes, but I will hate it. Come on, man, don't you hate it? See, you can't be a Christian and go, man, I can just do this and I don't care because God forgives me. Paul's like, by no means, by no means. You can do it. You can even enjoy it while you do it. And then you're just going to hate it. Why? Because Jesus is in you and he hates it. Make sense? You are alive in Christ. Christ was raised through the glory of the Father and he does it now in us. Now, and here's here, now you can put up the verse. Let's look at this, Romans 8, 11. If the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead which is unbelievable, will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. Oh, you guys, life in Christ is a new life. It's a new power. You guys, this is the new position. It's like, man, you got a promotion, baby. You got lifted all the way. The scripture says, don't you know, you are already seated with Christ at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. Did you know that one? That's a whole nother message, man. But you are already have every spiritual blessing. That's your position now because you're in Christ and it's yours. God, this is good. So in Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The mystery and the hope of glory. And then he says this, the life I now live, wait, 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 didn't you just say you don't live? I no longer live. Oh, but the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, now we're gonna get to some practicality here. If this is what's true about you, come on, man, come on. Jesus Christ is living in you? This is, doesn't that like, I'm sorry. I've been with him for 35 years. Sometimes I still go, seriously? But if that's true, then how do I live this out? Well, here, what Paul said, he goes, I no longer live. And I think what he's saying there is, I'm no longer the center of my life. <laughs> I am not the Lord of my life anymore. See, because the core of sin is what? Me. <laughs> I make life all about me. He goes, that person is dead. That old person was crucified with Christ. The me-centered living, I'm done with. I don't do it anymore because I died with Christ. So how do I live? He says every day. The life I love now, what's he say? I live by faith in Jesus. Paul knows, he goes, I have no righteousness of my own. I can't do it, but Jesus is in me. So the life I live at work, in my marriage, with my kids, when I'm doing recreation, when I'm on the golf course and I do a really crappy shot, the life I live, I live by faith in Christ. I look to his life, his power, and not mine, okay? 
you have, listen, you have the position. You got the raise. You have the authority. You can do things now that you couldn't do before. So exercise it. Exercise it, okay? You can't just have the, you can have the position and then not even exercise it, not even take advantage of it. How do we do it, okay? New life is a choice. And that's, here's, here's your practical application. What do we do now since Christ is in me and I'm in Christ? Romans 6, 11 says this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Here's the first application that every single one of us has to do. Count, you know, it's, this is an accountant, right? This is kind of Ebenezer Scrooge. This is the guy who's counting every little penny and he's not missing any. This is Eric Winter, actually. I don't miss a thing. I see everything. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. He's think, you know, what it, so really what, when you're counting like that, what are you doing? You're thinking very deeply and you don't miss it. You think he goes, because sometimes the other versions will say, consider yourself, count yourself, consider yourself in Christ. So here's the choice you and I have every day. Oh, and guys, I battle this. This has been such a great message to challenge me to keep living in this life. Because when, when, when you sin, when you screw up, when you feel like a failure, when you hear the voices, you lose her, all that we talk about, you, accusations come, you, you've blown it, you know, then you know what you have a chance to do? You could listen to those. And you could think, you know, how many of you spend time thinking about what a loser you are? How much time do you think about everything you've done wrong? And in what scripture is saying, stop it. Stop it. Think less about what's true. That's what it means. Consider yourself, count yourself, think deeply. Wait a second. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. Sweet. That's the first thing you got to do. And that is a battle, man. It's a battle, but it's what's true. Fight that, all right? And then he goes on. Now, if that's true, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin. And this, when I read this, this, this last phrase is horrific because when you do, what are you? You literally are saying sin. Use me as an instrument of wickedness. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, please. No. So what does it mean to don't let sin reign in your mortal body? Don't let it reign. See, when sin is reigning, it tells you what to do and you do it. You just, that was the, that's what you were, right? That's the way you used to live. I feel like doing this, I do it. <laughs> I'm my own God, I do what I feel like doing. Don't do that anymore. How, how do you not let sin reign? You guys, it, okay, I'm just, it's, it's simple. You got to confess your sin. You are going to do individual sins. What are you going to do when you do? No. You, you turn to Jesus and you go and you confess your sin. He forgives you and he cleanses you. If you're struggling with sin, then you get up the next day and you ask for his forgiveness, and you're in Christ, he's already forgiven it. He's already taken care of it. That's how you don't let sin reign. If you don't confess your sin, I tell you what, man, you just start drifting with it. And next thing you know, you actually just start liking it. And next thing you know, it has become, you become a slave to it again. So don't let it reign. 
And I want to tell you, here's another powerful thing. The scripture says, confess your sins to God, of course, but also confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. I can't tell you, man, it's the scariest thing on planet earth to go to another flawed human being and share your sin with them. And you do need to be really careful who you do this with because humans can be really nasty. But if you share your sin with another human who's filled with Christ and they look at you and they just help you find forgiveness, it's weird, man. The scriptures just say there's a power there. Do you have somebody that you've shared your sin with? And I've, I've told people this before. My life is one big pile of mercy. I've been doing ministry for 35 years. Can I tell you this? You will never tell me anything that I haven't heard. And you probably won't tell me anything that I haven't done. If you need a safe person to confess your sin to, I will love you like you've never been loved. I guarantee you, I will give you mercy. Find that person, okay? Don't let sin reign. And then he says, don't offer any part of yourself to sin to sin as an instrument for wickedness. You guys, you know what the word offer means? It means to stand by or near someone, <laughs> to be at their hand. So literally, when you're offering yourself to sin, you're going, hey, I'm, I'm right here. And you know what, you guys? That's what we do. <laughs> He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, don't do that. Don't offer yourself. Don't stand near sin. <laughs> don't be near it. Don't offer yourself. Be close to it. In, 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 the, in Colossians, it says, no, put to death, <laughs> therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. See, so put to death sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Okay, well then if that's your struggle, if that's the thing, then you gotta get rid of it. Did you guys know that you don't struggle with something that's dead? Think about that one. <laughs> you know, if something's dead, you're not like, oh, wrestling it down. No, it's like, it's dead. And what the scripture says, the only reason you're struggling with something is because it's still living because it's right next to you. Hey, I know I really struggle with alcohol and I keep drinking. Yeah, I know. And so I go hang out with friends who drink and I go to the bar and, and no, you have to put it to death. You have to get it out. You have to completely get it out of your life. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all these things. Greed, get rid of it. How do I get rid of greed? You know how you do it? Be faithful to God first. Quit stealing from him and give him his 10%. I can tell you right now, if you're not tithing and giving God what's his, then you're going, I need all of this, man. <laughs> Sorry, look at my budget. <laughs> you know what that is? That's greed. It means you need more for yourself even than what you'll give to God. Wow. Well, start being generous. That's how you kill greed. Don't use everything for yourself. Be faithful to God and be generous to others and watch your heart change, right? Okay, gotta stop. Keep going. All right, so there's your practical application. Don't let it rain and kill it. 
Don't offer yourself. And then instead, he says this, offer yourself to God. Why would I do that? Because I'm in Jesus and Jesus lives to God and Jesus is in me. So I offer myself to God. And then look at this, you guys. Hey, offer every part of yourself to him. How much of yourself? Okay, let's all say it. How much? Every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Jesus, here's my calendar. Here's my time. Nothing is more important to me than you. You are Lord of my time. I give you my best time. Jesus, here's my money. I offer you all of my, not just the 10% that's yours. I offer you the other 90%. Lead me and help me to be a good steward. Jesus, take my talents and the abilities and help me not to build just my own kingdom. Oh, Lord, I know when I die, all that's going to not even matter. Here's my talent. You gave them to me in the first place. Here's my talent. Here's my ability. Here's the gift you gave me from the Spirit for what? For the church. Are you doing that, you guys? Are you using your gift, every part of you, even the gift he gave you for the church? Are you giving your gift to the church? Why would I do that? Because it's the body of Christ. And I'm in Christ. He gets the best of me. Take my work. Take my 40, 50, 60 hours where I'm working. And as the scripture says, work at it as unto the Lord. It is Jesus you're actually serving. God, anoint my work. Make me a different person at my workplace. Help me to change it. Band, come on up. Why would you do this? Give him every part of yourself because of who he is, because of who he is. And now listen to me, because of who you are. You're a child of God. You're born of his spirit. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. And he has the power, you guys, to destroy every chain as we like to sing here. He has the power to set you free. He has the power to help you say yes to God. He's the one who always says his yet says his. He's the one who always says yes to God and he's in you. So we tap in that power. We believe, we count ourselves. We think deeply about who I am. And then I put to death and I don't let sin reign. And then I offer myself, instead of standing near to sin, I offer myself right at Jesus' right hand and say, here I am, Jesus, take me. And I want to tell you, every time you do, the Holy Spirit will fill you. He will fill you and you will live. You will live. You will live. Therefore, I urge you, Paul said in chapter 12, brothers and sisters, I urge you in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper worship. Good news? Man, that's good news. New life is ours. So this song, man, Brett and I were talking. I'm like, he, he mentioned this one. I'm like, oh yeah, first time I heard this, I love this song. It's the dead bones rattling. 
okay, this song's all about things that were dead. God's spirit breathes life into them and they come alive. And we're gonna celebrate in the song that that's what's true about you. Sing it, believe it, claim it. It's who you are. It's who we are in Christ. All right, let's stand and let's worship this great God.